in Texas, a lot of the wrestlers are are football players, right? Almost every wrestler in Texas, their style is based on you know just being big and strong and kind of kind of bulldozing you. And once you get to, once you get out of Texas, once you get to the national tournaments, everybody becomes a lot more technique based. So a lot of kids in Texas have trouble when they go when they when they go outside of Texas because they're used to getting away with stuff just because they're big and strong here. But when they wrestle somebody who's like you know a wrestler and knows exactly what they're doing, that stuff doesn't fly. That was Cooper Rippon talking about the differences between wrestlers in Texas and the rest of the United States. Welcome to Endzone, the podcast series on the Focal Point Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sid Sinha, and you just got a little taste of what Harvard commit Cooper Rippon had to say about wrestling, and he's going to talk about his commitment process with Alam Aladina. Also in this episode, we have Luke Piazza talking to two of our water polo commits, Leo Ohanesian and Jack Palmer. Leo has decided to take his talents to UC Santa Barbara, and Jack has decided to go to Santa Clara. So best of luck to those guys. And they talked to Luke about a ton of stuff in their water polo journey. Also check out the other end zone podcast dropping today. It's a whole end zone palooza. So keep an eye out for that, but enjoy this conversation first and I'll see you on the other side. To get started, how about you two introduce yourselves, who you are, what team you're playing for in college and a little bit about your water polo experience so far. Okay, um, gone in. Uh, hi, I guess I'm Leo Onesian, senior at St. Mark's. Uh, gonna play polo, water polo in college for uh, Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara, Los Gauchos. So that's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm Jack Palmer. I'm also a senior. I'm gonna be playing water polo at Santa Clara University. So, excited. So then tell us a little about the recruiting process for both of these schools. What was that like for you? Well, uh, my case is kind of different. I mean, it was impacted by COVID completely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought I had a spot at different schools, but, uh, you know, it came down to the wire with roster cuts with all the new NCAA eligibility coming around. But uh, Santa Barbara, I mean, we talked with the coach. He saw some 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 video highlights, and, you know, we just – kicked it off and he gave me a spot and you know that's the only spot that I was able to secure because of COVID so I had to take mm-hmm. it yeah. um, for me I just was pretty pretty diligent with like keeping in touch with coaches over the summer and so because of that I had been able to really narrow it down to two colleges that were really interested in me by September and those were it was Santa Clara and Bucknell and then um, on my birthday, actually, Santa Clara offered me a spot. And I decided that just because Santa Clara is in California and that's somewhere I want to be, I decided to take it pretty quickly. So, I mean, I've known since September where I'm going. Go. So my college process has been pretty non-existent since then. So then for those that are less water polo inclined like myself, California is like the place for water polo, right? That's where all the good college teams are as far as I'm aware, right? Yeah. So then what's it like going to be competing in that league in that bracket? I think that the winning team was California. Was it was it UCLA last yeah. year, yeah. two years ago? It's going to be completely different, I think, just because, I mean, right now we're undefeated here in Texas this year. And not that there hasn't been competition in the past, but there's 
not a ton of it compared to California, at least. So, I mean, when we get out there, I mean, that's where all of the good players are, at least in America. I mean, in America. And so, if we're just just going to California, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a whole different ball game because it's gonna be more physical. Everybody's gonna be smarter. It'll be it'll be really really fun. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So then, besides the obviously difficulty ramp up that you're going to be seeing at college, are there any other differences from high school water polo that you'll be seeing in college, or is it going to be same ball game as per usual, other than difficulty? Well, well, I mean, it's I mean, it's a college. You're not going to have anybody that you can really pick off of and be like, oh, this is their weakness. Any team, you, there's not going to be really a weakness to, the, to any team because it's all going to be college players. It's going to be players that were the best at their high school teams, best at their clubs, and now you're going to be, you know, playing alongside just the best players in the country. And I think it's going to be a huge stepping stone for both of us. And it's going to be, I think we're going to get shocked to just be like, oh man, mm-hmm. these guys are really good. Yeah. So yeah. So then, obviously, I think all of us here at St. Mark's hear about some of the brutal late night polo workouts that you guys have going on sometimes. Are you all going to be, you think you worried about the college routine? Are you going to be able to handle that, especially with the new college workload? What are you anticipating there? Yeah, I mean, at least for me, I'm, I'm def- I definitely think polo is going to get harder in college. And I think Leo will agree with that just based off of conditioning and how much we are, we're working out. But when it comes to workload and balancing it, I think I don't think there's a better place we could have gone to prepare ourselves for college in St. Mark's just because, I mean, you hear about people just going to college and the workload is, I mean, I hear about people saying all the time the workload in college is is the same, if not easier, than the workload at St. Mark's. So mm-hmm. if just because just the practice we've had balancing our athletic and student lives um, over the past four years, I think, I mean, I think we're both pretty ready to take the next step. Mm-hmm. So then what are y'all looking to get out of the college water polo experience? Y'all just playing for fun, but at a competitive level, or are you trying to be able to continue this in any sort of capacity out after college? I mean, or too early on to decide for me, if if I can get to that level, then I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. We'll mm-hmm. see. I have to see where college takes me just because, I mean, the competition out there is so it's so crazy compared to here. And I mean, I'm I'm excited to have a new team and new teammates and basically a community to, I guess, integrate myself in pretty quickly in college. And I'm doing it for fun and just to see where else it takes me. And then, I mean, I know Leo here is extremely competitive. So well, uh, his story's probably a little different. No, I mean, it's not. I mean, we're going to a whole new, new freaking, I was about to say country, but not state. country. So we're going to a whole new state. I mean, it's going to be all new people, a new town, new place. And I mean, I'm, I know I'm going to a much more competitive team than, than it is here. Not saying our team is not competitive, but I mean, we're going to have guys that are already like in their twenties. I'm going to be competing against them this summer and, and beyond it. I think it's just going to, it's going to, you're just going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the point. So then, correct me if I'm wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are other water polo players in college from previous years that are currently playing probably in the California system. You excited to be playing against some of those former marksmen, or are they all too far out from y'all? I don't really, know. It's just in California, at least. I think it's just Chase, right? So, yeah, you only have one guy right now. Uh, Chase, Chase Honaker, class of 
19, he just won the national championship with uh, UCLA this year. And then, I mean, Andrew Lynn is at Princeton, but he graduates this year. So I think other than that, yeah, it's just Chase, which I haven't seen Chase in a while. So, I mean, if if I get to play against him, that'll be really If fun. he hears this, he, he knows he's in trouble. So, yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You all think you got a chance if they're a national caliber roster? Are you going to have to practice extra hard or find a way? Well, we'll have, to, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm just we're just like one dude. Can't, yeah, can't I'm not gonna, a whole team like that. I'm not going to make any promises. <laughs> All right, covering your exits. So then, talking a bit more about Sam Mark's water polo, what are y'all going to miss most? Obviously, y'all spent a lot of years here, either playing with club associated teams or St. Mark's teams. What are you going to miss most from your experience here? Well, I mean, everything's going to be the same for where we're going besides the guys. And I think that's what I'm going to miss most. It's just, you know, I mean, the bonds that I've made with the, my teammates in that pool, I mean, those are just like, I mean, I've known all of these guys since fifth and one dude from like seventh grade. And it's, it's like, I can't really remember a time where I was like, oh, it's like, let's go hang out this weekend. Well, I'm going out with, well, I'm going out with Jack. I'm going out with James. I'm going with Ian, Ryan Mason, and all the other seniors. And I, I just think... I think that's going to be the hardest thing for me. It's just going to be like finding a, a new group of guys who are just going to, you know, literally just bleed and sweat and die every single every single night in practice with me. But um, yeah, I think it'll come, you know, eventually. All all water polo dudes are, you know, on average they're awesome guys. So I, I don't think it's going to be any problems. Yeah. So then. Here's the tricky one. Best moments slash stories from water polo. School appropriate. Oh, that's the kicker right school there. School appropriate. Now mm-hmm. we got to think about it. Well, that's, now there's... That's that's doozy. Just, that cuts it in like half. <laughs> um, I feel like we've done something stupid this year. But, well, see, I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast. So I don't want to say... Well, I know all the school administration. Yeah, but it's like... I don't know. There's, there's yeah. stuff. All right. Well, here I'll go. I'll go here. So, um, tell me what this result is. So this, yeah, I got it. So this year, Jeff, I think I don't know. Did we get a new coach this year? Yeah. So yeah, um, long time head coach for what, like twenty, 20 something years, tw- over twenty years. Twenty one or twenty. Mihai Oprea, he left. He went back to uh, Romania. He's going to come back in a couple months to, or in a month, pretty much, just to. Washington State Championship. So, um, yeah, that was a, that was a, I mean, the memories with him, I don't know. He had a saying, and it's, we call it the conference room. It's a room right outside the swimming pool, and he had a saying, what happens in this room stays in this room. So there's a <laughs> lot that I am not at liberty, not at liberty to say. So I think that summarizes a lot of our stuff as well. I mean, it, it, there's nothing horrible that happens. I mean, it's all just good-natured fun. So yeah. To say, right. But now we have a we have our new coach uh, Trent Calder, Coach Calder. Um, I mean, he's he's a really he's a he's another. <laughs> I won't call them polar opposites, but there are some opposites in training styles that there are. Um, I mean, he is much more, I don't know how to characterize it. He's, he's like a puppy. <laughs> and 
Like, he's always positive, and he doesn't, I mean, I've heard him say something negative, like, maybe two or three times. Maybe. And, I mean, not to say that Coach Oprio wasn't encouraging, but he had a much more, I'd say, strict and, like... Yes. Yeah. Coach Oprio was a lot more strict. I mean, um, both of them were great coaches. Yeah. They had two different styles of coaching, both of which were phenomenal, and, yeah, I think one of the best moments... That would I would have to consider was was after winning the state championship sophomore year, which went into double overtime, oh and we ended up winning seven to five in the second overtime, which was insane. Um, it was just getting out of the pool and pushing pushing coach into the pool. I think that was awesome and celebrating with him and singing the alma mater. I mean, it was I mean, it was an intense moment. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. You know? One story that I have that's not as empty, like emotional as that is this is swimming swim season actually this year, but I had to do we were doing like fifties and I, we were doing like seventeen fifties which is down and back on a pool, and for some reason, Coach Calder made me only do the butterfly, which is like the hardest stroke to do fifties of in my opinion, and. I could like I'd look out of the corner of my eye while I was swimming and coming out of the water at the coaches on the deck and they were just laughing at me just the whole time. And so that was something I won't forget for a long time. But <laughs> hopefully yeah. no grudges there. So then I was gonna just talk about Coach Mihai. Thank you for bringing him up. Obviously y'all spent most of your time with him, um, and now y'all have had a new coach this year. You've had some been able to spend some time with both of them. Um, has it been easy for y'all? Was it a difficult change? Obviously, you talked about how there was a different coaching style there, but did y'all feel like the same old team, or were there any struggles there coming into this year? I mean, I would say more of the struggles came from COVID. I mean, Coach Calder, he says he came out a great year. Of course, he says he's positive. Always <laughs> glass half full, which I commend him for. Um, but, yeah, it was a it was a really tough year. I think more of the changes came with COVID. A lot of restrictions that we that used to not have, but um, man, I don't know. I could coach Oprah. I mean, it was just like I mean, you'd come to the pool deck, and it's like a it's like a whole different mindset, just like that, right? When you walk in, I mean, he was like he's like a second father figure. I would guess he was really it was really sad to hear him leave. I mean, when he made his speech that he was leaving, some some teary eyes coming from the from some people, but um. But yeah, it was, it was, I don't know. I don't know how to summarize. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like most of the difficulty was COVID, but when it comes to coaches, I don't, I mean, I miss, I miss Coach Oprah a lot. And I think we all do. But when it comes to the transition, I mean, it was more shocking than difficult because we weren't, it was just a new coaching style. And I mean, I think we all learned to appreciate it and, we're, it wasn't that hard to transition into, but and we love Coach Calder now, but I mean, it's a it's just a change. Yeah, he said. I mean, he last year it was saying all the time. Um, he was like, "Be grateful for what you have." That was something Coach Oprah would say a lot. And I mean, now then, right when COVID hit, I mean, everything was just taken. You know, the season was up and up and gone just like that. So we never really got the ending that we wanted to with Coach Oprah. Really, one last state championship last year would have really, like, you know, sealed the deal on a on a nice story. But um, I mean, it ended how it ended. It was sad. 
So, yeah. But with Coach Ropier coming back, as you said, you may be able to give him one more, at least give him a good show. Yeah, we hope so. We'll see. We'll see. Hi guys, my name is Al Maladina. I'm an interviewer here with with Endzone, and with me today I have the wonderful, the incredible, uh, the athletical prowess of uh, Cooper Ribman. Uh, that's mighty kind of you, Al. We're happy to be here. Cooper is uh, a big wrestler. If you didn't know that already, um, I know absolutely nothing about wrestling. So he's going to tell me a little bit about wrestling, uh, and uh, he was recently what october november something like that True. october he was recruited uh to harvard and he's gonna go wrestle there next year and their d1 program and uh yeah he's gonna talk a little bit about his what he's what he's looking forward to doing there as well uh so cooper let's get started with a just an overview what do we like what what is a wrestling match and what are the rules and and you know what do you do let's see Rules vary between international competition, high school competition, and college. But I guess since this is this is for the for the Enzo magazine, I'll talk about high school rules. High school rules are usually three two minute periods, and the first period starts neutral, which means both wrestlers are on their feet. And the second period, the referee will flip a coin, and whichever wrestler wins the coin toss gets to choose either neutral again, or you can choose top or bottom, meaning you'll start and. Uh, um, below the other wrestler trying to escape, or he'll start on top trying to pin the other wrestler from the ground. Um, and then the third period, obviously, whoever lost the coin toss, will whoever didn't choose in the second period, will get to choose the third period. And the, the main ways to score are takedowns, which are two points, escapes, which means if you get taken down and then you get you get out from, uh, from under the other wrestler, that's one point, and then back points, which means if you can hold the other wrestler where their back is um, past 90 degrees to the ground, meaning their shoulder blades are facing the ground, then you'll get points depending on how long you hold them there. And then the end-all, be-all is a pin, which means both of the other wrestlers' shoulder blades are touching the ground, and the referee will slap the mat, and the match is over, no matter what the score is. And so, like, a big part of wrestling is, like, the weight classes, right? Uh, it's kind of what makes wrestling, like, a, a sport that, you know, if you're, if you're really skinny, you can participate in. If you're, like, you know... Like big, you can participate in no matter like necessarily your sizes. You know, you still have a chance of competing, and so you are. I'm in the 152 pound weight class this year. Okay, and how do you like? How do you meet that weight? Like, walk me through. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the what's the week before a match like for you? So, so 152 isn't really a, a horrible weight cut for me. I naturally weigh about 160, and eight pounds isn't isn't so much. Um, the week before usually just looks like wa- watching what you eat for a couple days, and you can lose up to a pound a day. And then the real weight cuts, like you see in the movies and you hear horror stories about. That's only about 24 hours before, you know, where there's no more water, there's no more food. Um, sometimes you got to get on the treadmill in full sweats to get off the water weight. But, you know, really high school wrestling, especially at St. Mark's, there's not a whole lot of weight cutting. And there's there's a difference between, you know, cutting three or four pounds to get to a weight class and you'll be more athletic 
versus those guys you see in the UFC or even some college wrestlers that are cutting to 149 pounds from 175 pounds. And that's that's kind of where the horror stories come from. Do you have like a worst weight cut story? Um, I've, I've never had a terrible one. Um, I've never been one to cut so much weight because I feel like if, if I'm cutting too much weight, I lose a little bit of athleticism and it's not worth it for me to be a little bit bigger to you know, have a horrible week before and not be able to focus on practice. Um, I have I have heard stories of kids on the St. Mark's team who have had to you know be in a sauna or be on the treadmill in sweats up until 10 minutes before weigh-ins, and that's never fun to compete after you're tired and dehydrated, but you, know, you, do, you do what you got to do. Yeah. And, okay, so what we haven't talked about is, is how you actually got into wrestling in the first place. Yeah. So let's do that. See, I, I think I started officially wrestling my fifth grade year. My older brother, Tucker started wrestling he was in seventh grade he never wrestled before but he just fell in love with it and every night after he'd come home from practice with coach turner who's the old wrestling coach here and he'd want to try out his moves on me and so I, I naturally had to i had to learn a little bit of wrestling to be able to keep up with him and then when i got to fifth grade st mark's had a really really great youth club and i joined the youth club um got to go to a couple of middle school practices and then from there i joined the officially in seventh grade i've been wrestling ever since and what's like, what would have been like the big changes, like as, as a wrestler that you've kind of gone through and you're what, five years really competing in the program? Yeah. Uh, you know, of course there's physical changes as you get older, you get a little bit bigger, you get a little bit stronger, but more than anything, and this may sound weird and this may be a cliche, but despite how, how physical wrestling looks, I'd say it's 80 to 85% mental. Like at, at some point you, uh, it's not about what you can physically do. It's about what you know to do, right? So the biggest change has certainly been mental, just getting more experience, getting more matches under my belt, um, and just getting more more time in the practice room is what really makes you a better wrestler. So you're actually like like a, a really really good wrestler. Uh, like you've won like a like a, a few like championships or something like that. Uh, like do you want to talk about? I don't know what your kind of biggest accomplishments are in that arena. Let's see, so. High school, the last couple years of high school wrestling have been a bit of a nightmare. I tore everything you can tear in my left elbow uh, in February of my sophomore year. Um, so I didn't get to compete in any of the championships that year. And then my junior year in January, like early January at a tournament in Atlanta, I, I re-injured my elbow. So I was out all of that year. Um, so I'm trying to think. Before, before I started getting injured, I won state championships in eighth grade. My sophomore year before I got injured, I placed in the prep slam uh, tournament, which is a big national tournament in Atlanta, Georgia. And then haven't had uh, haven't had the big national tournament this year, but we're flying up to Pennsylvania this weekend, and that'll be the prep nationals. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to placing really well there. All right, cool. And uh, like, how are do those like? Do you feel like those tournaments, like the big ones that you compete in, are are those like any different in terms of, like the pressure or the competition or like how significant is that? You know, there, there's always pressure no matter where you are, even if it's just a local duel or if it's you know the biggest national tournament. The biggest change is in Texas. A lot of the wrestlers are are football players, right? Almost every wrestler in Texas, their style is based on, you know, just being big and strong and kind of kind of bulldozing you. And once you get to, once you get out of Texas, once you get to the national tournaments, everybody becomes a lot more technique based. So 
a lot of kids in Texas have trouble when they go when they when they go outside of Texas because they're used to getting away with stuff just because they're big and strong here. But when they wrestle somebody who's like you know a wrestler and knows exactly what they're doing, that stuff doesn't fly. You know, luckily the with the places I've wrestled in Texas and the the coaches and practice partners I've had, my style translates pretty well to outside of Texas. Um, so that's nice. But there there are a couple kids that you know do really well in Texas, but then once they get out of Texas, the competition is just a completely different level. So you have been like formally recruited and all of that mess by by like a big D1 program walk us through like what what that process was like and like a little bit about like you know what was involved and you know how, how you had to like kind of sell yourself as a wrestler there as well so i got in contact with the coaches through my older brother he was recruited he was uh he graduated st mark's class of 2018 and he was recruited by harvard as well um so they knew me a little bit i got up to harvard the summer of my sophomore year i got to wrestle wrestle at the camp a little bit and that's where the coaches really saw me and then you know unfortunately i didn't have a whole lot of the results um that a lot of the recruits had just because i've been injured so for so long but luckily i placed at that prep slam tournament my sophomore year so the the coaches knew what kind of level i was on um and then once the silent period ended and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of bureaucratic red tape around recruiting, you know, when coaches can contact you. But once all that ended, and this was the summer between sophomore and junior year, I started getting, um, you know, the emails from the coaches, talking to them, making sure that this was something that I really wanted to do and that this was, um, I was somebody that they really wanted to recruit. And then from there, it was going through the, the Harvard process, not just the wrestling process. So I had to do my, like the full application, the, the interview that every other applicant had to do. Um, and then I got my official likely letter or it would have been, official likely letter would have been like early October and then the official acceptance came later. And was like, that's a pretty big commitment that you're making, right? Like you have to the training and, and that, like how much of that like weighed on your mind? Like, was it like ever a question for you that you really wanted to do wrestling in, in college? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's certainly, it's a big commitment. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of early mornings, a lot of late nights, but that's never really been a question for me. I, I love wrestling and especially doing it at a place like Harvard where I'm going to have such great opportunities academically and going to be able to make such great connections going, going through the training, which I love anyway, has, it's never really been a question. Well, thanks so much, Cooper. You've been incredible. Uh, we've loved having you and uh, hearing a little bit more about, about wrestling. Thank you, Alan. This is, this has been fun. Good luck with the, good luck with the rest of the magazine. All right. Thanks to Cooper, Jack, Leo, Alum, and Luke. Just a whole slate of guys coming together to make that podcast possible. Congratulations to Cooper, Leo, and Jack on all of your commitments. You guys are going to absolutely crush it at your respective universities, and we can't wait to see what you guys do there. Make sure to keep an eye out for the rest of the End Zone podcast coming out today. It is End Zone Day, and we've got a whole slate of 15 podcasts coming out today. Just hours upon hours upon hours of amazing audio. So follow us on whatever podcast platform you're using so that you don't miss out. If your platform allows you to, drop a five-star rating, leave us a review, share with your friends, share with your family, share with the first five people you see, even if they're strangers, and know that I'll appreciate it. Other than that, Enjoy Endzone, enjoy the rest of these podcasts, stay safe, stay healthy, and I'll see you around.